Okay, welcome everyone. I'm Emma Walsh, the CEO of Parents at Work, and I'll be your host for today's special event discussion. If it's the first time you've joined us for a special event, welcome. Uh, we have people dialing in from all around Australia. In fact, we're expecting over 200 people. So that's great. Um, these special events are free for everyone to participate in because at Parents at Work, our aim is to connect working parents to their and their employers um, with experts like Karatani, who are speaking today, um, with experts in the community that will help them to manage their career whilst balancing or raising it, their families. So we encourage you to share our, our events with people in your community uh, who you think might benefit. We'd love you to contribute to the discussion by asking questions and participating because your questions matter. You can do this by using the webinar facility and typing in a question or simply ask us along the way through the chat facility. We're also recording today's event so you can share it later and uh, certainly if you can't be with us to the end of the call you'll be able to listen to it a little later on. So we have two very special guests here with us today from Parenting Experts, Karatani, to talk about juggling toddlers. Uh, Karatani have been leaders in parenting services since 1923 and they're a not-for-profit group and work with children mainly in the age group of zero to five years. And I know as the mother of twin boys, the toddler years were etched in my mind. Countless tantrums, running away in opposite directions in parks or at the beach fighting over toys and, and the list goes on. The journey into the toddler years requires new and different parenting skills for uh, certainly from the first 12 months and today we'll be sharing some ideas for how you can support your children through the toddler stage. And to tell us about this I'm joined by Karatani CEO Gronya O'Loughlin and Charlene Valhos, the Director of Education and Business Development from Karatani who have kindly agreed to share their expert knowledge to provide some great pointers to pa for parents. After this special event, we'll also be providing you with the opportunity to enrol in a new online three-week toddler course hosted by Charlene, which can give you and your family more in-depth tips and tricks on this topic. Welcome, Gronya and Charlene. Thank you. Thanks, Emma. It's great to be here. So firstly, Grania, can I start with you to tell us a little bit more about Karatani and how you help parents? Yes, uh, look, thanks Emma. Um, I'd certainly like to share a little bit about who Karatani is and why we're well-placed and trusted leaders in parenting and early intervention services. As you said, we've been in the business for over 90 years and Karatani has journeyed along a path of improving the lives and children and families from the mobile clinics in the 1920s to our residential hospitals for new families in the 1950s and more and more trauma-informed practice and attachment-based intervention programs and foster care programs that commenced in 2008. So we do support a wide variety of families with a whole range of issues from feeding, sleeping and settling to perinatal mental health issues, child protection, teenage pregnancies, young parents in custody, refugee families and families with children in out-of-home care. I think really importantly, all our staff are professionally trained, uh, with the majority of our nurses having a master's degree in child and family health, but we also have a team of social workers, psychologists, paediatricians and psychiatrists. And so this means that you can be 100% guaranteed and assured that the Karatani service you use has been rigorously researched at universities and in our clinics and have been proven to be effective. So I know that today and over the next weeks, so our focus will be on managing the toddler years. 
Um, but I just wanted to mention the wide array of Karatani services. We are really here about parenting support, um, and that's parents, uh, both mums and dads. At Karatani, we take the approach to support the whole family. So any of you who've had any experience with Karatani will be aware that we offer support, treatment and education for managing toddler behaviour through a toddler clinic, feeding, sleeping and settling for young babies two to five years old. And that's certainly um, some of the toddler um, things that Charlene's going to cover uh, later this morning. We've also got services online. We've got brochures and videos that you might find helpful. And we're intending to set up some online chat services in the coming month. So as a working mum myself, I really identify with the juggling and stress that can come from managing the first early years and a career path. Sleep and feeding, morning and evening routines were really important, as was my need to know that I can manage to have a wonderful relationship with my children as well as keep my head above water at work. So that's why Karatani and Parents at Work have come together to reach out to the corporate workplaces. We recognise that we can give access to Karatani services to working parents whilst you are at work, and we can come to you via webinars like this or face-to-face -face sessions in your workplace. We appreciate how hard it can be to get to clinic appointments when you're working and need that extra bit of help just juggling it all. We can also work with your managers and HR people to assist with the practical parenting matters that they might consider to ensure smooth transitions back to work after parental leave. So I really hope you enjoy the overview of toddlers today and that you'll join us over the next few weeks for the toddler webinar series. Also feel free to join our Facebook page and drop us some feedback. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, Grania. That's wonderful. Um, Charlene, if you could start by letting us know what's the role of a parent during the toddler years and what are the things you'd like to share and discuss with the audience today? Um, thanks Emma, thanks for having us. So I think that when we talk about toddlers, and you might see up on your screen there an overview of what we thought we would touch on today, um, and bearing in mind that um, we've only got um, a short time together, so we'll be touching on some of these um, points you can see there, but certainly encourage um, your participation, also engaging in the poll that might um, that you should be able to see on your screen there, um, because we all we all struggle with some different things, and we might be able to tailor in this short time together some of those things that are sort of pertinent, I guess, to many of you that are listening in today. Okay, Charlene's referring to a poll that we've uh, just put out. Um, what is the common toddler challenge you most want help with? Can you select one of the followings if you can see that on screen? being tantrum, sleep, fuss eating, toilet training, or all of the above. <laughs> so if you can have a go, we can see your responses coming in. Great. We'll just give that a minute to, to work through. Okay, yeah, we're getting about 30% of you that are saying all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> we thought that might be the case, although there's 35% um, of you are certainly saying um, that tantrums are, are also up there. So I'm glad you did say all of the above. We thought that a lot of you um, would have that um, challenge. We're just going to close that poll now. Thank you for that feedback. And basically, we'll make sure that we cover off each of those. Um, so it looks like um, tantrums uh, followed by sleep are the two key ones, Charlene, that sure. people are really interested in today. Sure. Thank you. Well, 
Um, can I start by saying that's certainly not a surprise um, to see that tantrums is actually polled very well and a little bit of, um, and most of you kind of struggle a little bit with sleep, fussy feeding um, and a little bit about toilet training. So often that's where we do start. So I do do many uh, toddler groups and I guess the one that we often start with is really around behaviour and that kind of does encompass um, tantrums. So I guess, well, you know, we can start there because that will seems to be where everybody's sitting at. So I think first and foremost, you are not alone. Um, um, and I wonder if these are some of the things that you um, engage or listen to or hear every day. So it takes so long for them to pick up the toys and everything I say, they say it's no, no. Um, when I try to dress them in the morning, all they do is cry, they protest. Something that seems like a really easy job is really hard and takes a long time to do. Um, sometimes you might go to gatherings with other people and you might see well, all the other children are sharing. Why is my child not sharing? Why is my child chucking the tantrum? Um, or my child runs away all the time. Um, all the tantrum, the classic tantrum at the shops. And I've certainly experienced that. I've certainly seen it. And I certainly see a lot of parents struggle with that. So I really want to, I guess, all the parents that are listening, that you are not alone. Um, and I guess what we see at Karatani is the array of groups and DVDs and books out there about how do I deal with my toddler. So I hope that's comforting letting you know that this happens with every parent with a toddler. And in actual fact, I'm not sure if you're aware that when you come to have your checks and we talk about milestones, we actually ask, does your child have a tantrum? Because that is a developmental milestone. So I would be more concerned if your child wasn't protesting and having um, a tantrum. So I think that um, it's a great place to start. So we might just move on and talk a little bit about, I guess, what's happening for your child because the developmental stage um, is really what dictates the, the tantrum or really dictates what's happening for your child. So your toddlers, when they kind of, when we, when we say toddlers, we're thinking at about 12 months till about three, three and a half years of age. And these are the critical stages that are happening for your child in terms of their development. So rapid changes in their brain development. So what toddlers are trying to do at this stage is actually they're trying to make sense of their world. They're trying to make sense of, well, why are you saying no? I want to do this. Um, why can't I go and tip the sand out? Why can't I tip my food all over myself? Why do I have to get dressed now? So they're trying to make sense of that, but in actual fact, they don't have the developmental understanding to reason. And that kind of is what we start to see around three and a half to four years of age. And that's why we see tantrums start to go down because those reasoning starts to happen. The other critical thing around tantrums um, and behaviour around this stage is really children don't, do not have the communication skills. They actually do not have the words to express how they're feeling. Okay, so when they have those big emotions, so we're talking about being happy, when we're excited, when they're feeling sad, um, feelings of disappointment or they're unsure, they feel insecure, they feel jealous. They're all big emotions that perhaps you and I can express and we say, oh, I don't like the way that feels or that makes me really unhappy. Well, your child actually, those emotions are what we call externalised. So they actually show you their emotions in various ways. So that's when you hear the yelling or the protest or 
I'm on the floor now and I'm not moving till I get what I need right now. They're telling you that's their communication style. They have to show you their emotions. They want to express them. Um, and that's what it looks like. So once they start to get language and they start to have an ability to understand what's going on, and I guess that's your job as a parent to help them get to that place, when they're around three and a half, four years of age, that's when that reasoning can start to happen. Um, so really that's the, the reason why your children are having tantrums and they are normal. But I guess it's how we deal with them. How can mm. we start to deal with them and teach them about um, how we deal with our emotions and that takes time mm -hmm. so really I think it's really important for parents to get a you know to have that understanding certainly for me once once I understood where my child was coming from or why those things were happening then that was much easier then to go okay take a step back deep breath what is going on right now Mm -hmm. um, so I think you can expect tantrums, absolutely. You can expect them probably a couple of times a day, all the protest. So, um, and you probably already have got a sense of um, the triggers. So what is actually, you can probably predict, oh my God, we're gonna, we need to get dressed, I'm running late for work, we need to put shoes on, and I don't think this is gonna go particularly well. Mm -hmm. um, so those things, you know, you so start to look at the triggers for the tantrums. So um, that can always, you know, start to change your tact. Okay, so what am I going to do here? Shannon, you've reminded me of some, of certainly something, um, or good advice that I got when my twins were about three. No, maybe a little younger, maybe around two. And I remember thinking, yeah, all those things you described, they're not, they weren't old enough to tell me why they were having a chat room or what they were feeling. Mm. Um, and I remember being in that you know, state of, oh, what do I do now? That just describing exactly that, getting ready for work and you know, the tantrums happening, particularly um, trying to get two of them or more ready at, at one time. And I got a great piece of advice that said, even though they can't talk back, right, they can't, tell you how they're feeling. Sure. Um, the best thing you can do is tell them what you're doing that day, what's about to happen, because although they can't express back to you, they can understand. Yes. So that if you, I um, was given this great advice to walk them through what's going to happen today. So today we're going to get ready for work because um, it's a work day, it's Tuesday, you're going to go to daycare, I'm going to go to work, this is what's going to happen, you're going to have this great day. At the end of the day, I'm going to come and get you and, and really help explain what's going to occur and that help can, that can help manage the anxiety. And I know that tip helped um, me. Have you got any thoughts around why that tip's such a, a useful one? Is that a, a common tip that works? Yeah, and I think that that's, um, look, it raises a really good point. A, a couple of things around the um, things you've just said, Emma. So around um, um, even communication, so developing their verbal skills, their actual communication skills. So um, talking all the time. Now you may go to work and you talk all day and think I just want to come home and I don't feel like talking but actually that's the most important thing to be doing. Um, so you're encouraging them by doing that saying you know um, mummy's just getting in the shower now I'm getting ready for work or you know dad's got to go and get his um, shoes we're going we're getting ready to go. So saying that all the time actually 
they say, oh, that you're actually building their verbal skills and that's what you want to be able to do because mm. remember I said those tantrums actually come from I don't know how to express them any other way. Mm. So with that comes language and that's a normal progress. So really, you know, children are getting those two and three word sentences really by two, two and a half. So to be able to mm. do that, you need to be talking to them. They need to hear it. Mm. Um, mm. The other really great point you've raised there is that this transition so we talk about transitioning time all the time with, with toddlers in particular um, because when they're in the midst of doing something or they're engrossed in something, they don't know what's coming next. And even as adults, we cope better when we know what's going to happen in my day. That's why we have calendars. That's how we know how to plan. Well, I know what my week's looking like. So even taking that back to your toddler and saying, so if you stop them, they're like, well, what happened there? Why are we going? What's mm, happening? Mm, That's mm. what their internal dialogue is saying to them. Um, and they don't like it. Mm, so mm. when you have that transition time, so we're going to be doing this now, we're getting ready for work. So it's not a shock. It's not an abrupt ending. And we know now toddlers are getting, you know, our toddlers are bigger. They weren't babies. We used to just pick them up, put them in the car seat, off we would go. Mm. Toddlers are bigger now. You've got to try and pick them up. And so Negotiating and navigating, that's really important. Mm. But it's also really respectful, you know, that um, this is what we're going to do. I mean, if you're in the midst of doing something really um, that you enjoy and someone goes, come on, that's it, we have to go now, you're like, oh, actually, I'm not ready to go. Mm. So it's the same thing for your toddler. You need to really take a big step back and go, what's going on around for them at that particular time? We've had a great question um, from Cheryl saying, my husband... Um, uh, likes to, you know, wants to ignore the tantrums. Yeah. What do you, What do you think about that? You know, is that a strategy? Should we be ignoring them when they're having the big tantrum and not indulging that? Yeah. So I think this is a, you know, and this is an, another really interesting point. I think something that's changing a little bit around the thoughts around tantrums. So we used to have, you know, a thing around um, time out and mm. you know, you might have heard seen the super nanny and those type of things. Put them on the step and um, let them go. Where what we know about tantrums is is those big emotions, and they're scary. Mm. And you know, tantrums that they're kind of they've lost control at that stage. Mm. And so certainly we wouldn't give in to the tantrums. So if it was about a toy or something, then certainly we wouldn't give in at that stage. But when we say ignore, just stay around. You need to be around your child to let them know. And so you know, um, when you're finished, mum's here or dad's here if you need a cuddle. Um, but you certainly don't engage in that at, at that particular time, yeah. and you might discuss it later, saying, "Look, that sound look, that looked very scary for you. Do you need to come in for a hug?" Um, and maybe talk about what the trigger might have been. So actually, give the words to like it seemed you didn't want to go home, did you? You did not want to leave the park. You wanted to stay there, and I understand that. So the learning comes afterwards. Mm. The learning doesn't come at the time of the huge emotion. It's just. Too, it's too fraught for the parent and it's too fraught for your toddler as well. Yeah, yeah. I know. It, the temptation to, when they're having that meltdown over a toy or mm. I want another biscuit or whatever, look, just have it. <laughs> just don't, you know, stop, yeah. stop. Um, I, I just, you know, wonder when's the, uh, when do you know that it's, I love, I love the strategy you just shared, mm. um, but that also takes time and it's not always, you know, possible. Is there a fine line? When, when does it feel right to be saying to keep the peace, you know? Is there a, a line where yeah, that seems to be um, acceptable? <laughs> <way of doing laughs> I know. I think you need to be realistic. Yeah. 
um, memory. I think that there are days where you're going to know that you've had a pretty rough day that you know, mm. sometimes you have to be really kind to yourself. Mm. Um, there is a really interesting piece of research, and I think I've put it down further in one of my slides, but we can um, uh, talk about it now because it's actually quite relevant, mm. um, about being the perfect parent all of the time. And that's mm. just not realistic. And mm. if you know the perfect parent, can you send me their number? Because I would love to <laughs> meet them. Um, and I'm not quite sure what even that, the de that definition is, but I think that being really well aware of what's going on for your toddler, um, you know, and being, a, you know, that conscious parenting that, look, today's a really bad day. It's okay if they have a biscuit or, you know, it's, it's okay if we just give in this one this time. Um, but, yeah, the, the research around being the perfect parent, I'm um, just getting back to my point there, is that they say if you get parenting right 30% of the time, so that's 30%, it's not even 50%, then your kids will be pretty good. They'll turn out okay. okay. So I always take great delight in 30%. Um, so, and what I mean when I say 30%, I mean, you know, that, you know, you're pretty calm and that you're engaged and you're really aware of what's going on and you're kind of on your A game, then that's okay. Yeah. We've got another um, good question. I'll just touch on this while we're on the tantrums before we move on around dealing with hitting, I'm sure hitting and biting, you know, when those kind of tantrums happen are very distressing for the child, yeah. for the parent, for the other children mm. and parents involved. Mm. Um, and that's when I can see, you know, parents mm. very anxious in a playground or at school or getting the call from childcare centre, <laughs> sure. your child's bitten someone again. Yeah. You know, um, what's your strategies for, you know, or suggestions around those kind of tantrums that yeah. get physical? Um, so... I mean, I mean, hitting is, is, is tough and I think it's really tough for parents because, you know, we come with these ideas that you, you know, I don't want my child to be that child. Um, but really, a lot of children do do this and, it, and if they are hitting, then we um, certainly look at the triggers for your child. So it's always better to get in and prevent before it actually happens to try and deal with it. And if you spend some time watching your child at a playground or at playgroup or with friends and family, you can almost get to um, predict that. And it's certainly, it's almost like the tantrum that you can't pay a huge amount of attention to it because it's almost like you're reinforcing the behaviour. And many times when children, um, we hear a lot about um, children who look for attention and I don't think that's really the case. I think a lot of children look for connection. So at that time when they're hitting out, they're struggling with something. I'm struggling with dealing with my emotion here. Either I want that toy, I don't like that person, I want to do this right now. So when you have a child who might be a biter or a hitter, then you really need to be paying close attention when they are in those environments. And you may need to stay close because, like I said, you can almost predict and see when it's about to happen and you might to get in there and redirect where you can. And that's almost like the tantrum as well. You can almost start to predict when they might tip over the edge and lose it, you need to get in and redirect. So whether that means you remove them from that situation or remove them from playing with that child or if it's over a favourite toy, then remove the toy. Mm -hmm. um, mm. You know, certainly asking children when they have friends coming over to share a favourite toy, um, that's not fair. Why don't we put, that's a really special toy, let's put that away if you know that's going to be the instigator of issues for your child because they love that toy. Mm. So, you know, you have to be really thinking about those um, 
situation. And it sort of comes under consequences as well. I remember get, again getting this great tip, um, you know, if it's biting or hitting, for example, in a park or you're at a mm. party, you, said, you know, it's quite extreme, but if, mm. you, if it is extreme, what's actually happened, pack up, go home. You know, mm, send yeah. a message to your child that there are consequences, this isn't okay, we're going to end the play date, we're going to end the party, you know, mm. th th this isn't okay to hit or bite and yeah. therefore I'm going to send a strong <coughs> message. I know that's been one that's been used in the past. Yeah, so always removing and always, um, yeah, be prepared to remove um, yourself yeah. from that situation. And the same thing with um, tantrums, particularly in shopping centres, it could be time just to pack up and go uh -huh. home and be yeah. prepared to leave that um trolley full of shopping, yes, <laughs> you know, that yeah. you might be at the end of, but quite, you know, things can really go awry and you may have already experienced that where it's really difficult to calm them down. And so when things have calmed down or when there's story time, there are some great books out there and so I really encourage parents to, when we're talking about emotions and feelings and things like that, that actually um, having those books and those quiet time and talking about, there's a great one, um, Hands in a for clapping and hands are for um, uh, hugging rather than, you know, so you talk about what are hands for, what they're not for. And same thing about emotions. There's a lot of books around my feelings. And so it actually helps you give words and kids really respond to that. So they start to learn about themselves and start to learn how to regulate those emotions, taking deep breaths, those type of things that you can start to actually teach them when they get a little bit older. When I say older, three, three and a half. <laughs> um, but it is a challenging time. Yeah, and I think um, some of the key things are, you know, as parents, how do you stay aligned? I know that my husband and I in the past have had different parenting techniques mm. um, and sometimes they haven't always been the same and we've had that conversation about how to, you know, backing each other up in that, mm -hmm. um, agreeing yes. whatever strategy we're going to use in the moment and, you know, whatever parent has gone, right, you know, I'm dealing with this, my call, mm -hmm. you know, backing up. And we've got a good question around that as well. Yeah. You know, how do you... Um, agree as a family unit or grandparents, other people that are looking after other children, like this is going to be our strategy when these kind of tantrums happen or, or yeah. happens and so on. Yeah, so I think that I think the key thing here is that um, if you are parenting with a partner, then absolutely you have those conversations. Like with the tantrums, you don't have them in the midst of when the tantrums happening or the behaviours happening, you have these conversations much um, when everything's calm and actually things are, not go things are going particularly well, that mm -hmm. that's the things you want to deal with. Um, I, I think that what can be challenging is that if a parent is dealing with something in a certain way and the other parent doesn't quite agree, if it's safe and everything is okay, just let that happen mm. and then you discuss it later. Um, it can be more disruptive and more confusing for the child if you're engaging in that right then and there. Because children learn, you know, role models. That's why I was talking about you talk all the time, you have those conversations, um, and you're chatting and you're talking to your child, and you talk to them the way you want to be spoken back to because you're modelling. The same thing happens when you're discussing with your partner. So if you're having that conflict in front of the child, then they're starting to learn that that's okay or this is normal. So let it happen, deal with that. And so look, can we chat about um, that particular style or the way you dealt with that? You know, could this be more helpful or can we, you know, that, that didn't feel right for me? And discuss it at another time. Um, like I said, provided it's, it's safe and it's, you know, um, you can deal with those a little bit later. But it's very difficult to deal with that and I wouldn't recommend it doing it 
with the, the chart in the moment. Yeah, right? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So there's some great tips that you've got mm. up there. I think you've covered a lot of those things. And I, I know we've got lots of questions coming mm. in thick and fast around <laughs> managing danger, yeah. which is great. Keep them coming and we'll do our best to get through them. Yeah. I think one point I just wanted to make in this is um, in this slide that you're looking at right now is the um, don't over schedule or over commit. I guess what we're seeing a lot of parents with is, you know, there's such an array of things that toddlers can do in terms of activities. I think mm. that as parents we feel very, um, oh, they should go to music class because little Johnny down the road is going to music and, you know, um, you know, to Jim Baru and all of these, you know, and I'm not saying that they're, they're bad things, but I think think about your lives. Think about how busy you are. And if you are working part-time, you only have a couple of days off, um, maybe do one or two activities, but we certainly see a lot of children who are really overscheduled, mm. they're overcommitted, and so the pressure of getting to another place, yeah, um, another birthday party, or another <laughs> birthday party, is that that puts a lot of pressure. And every waking moment does not need to be a so-called scheduled learning moment for your toddler. That that's going to make them smarter or more clever, or you know, that give them that step ahead. In actual fact. The research is, is that if you just engage your child in free play and you're there and you're present, that actually does as much for their development, holistically, their whole development, um, than having to go to a lot of um, scheduled classes. If they're in childcare, there's a lot of scheduling that goes on there. Um, so children need to know, learn how to play by themselves, but also that engagement without a schedule and pressure, um, I really do encourage parents to think about that. Yeah. Well, we might um, move on to sleep because I suspect um, quite a few of these things <laughs> might be connected to sure. sleep after and say, you know, sleep food is a real um, predictor of what kind of yeah. behaviour you're going to see. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, I think next to uh, tantrums is sleeping. Um, so parents and Toddlers presents a, a new exciting challenge, I will say exciting, um, <laughs> but routine is important. So, you know, we talked about parents, um, uh, you know, with their, big, with their toddlers and their big emotions, but certainly uh, children like routine. Even though they protest and they, you think they don't like it, why won't they just do what I say? Um, your toddler's job is actually to push the boundaries. Your toddler is learning about the world um, and how it works and how I fit in. So predictability is absolutely essential. Okay, so even though they, you think they don't like it, routine's really important. So you really need to think about um, you know, that feeling of being unsure. So if they have some boundaries, some really you know, pretty uh, predictable routine, your toddler may push the boundaries a little bit. Now what happens is when they push the boundaries a little bit and they fall through those boundaries, they go, oh, I'm not quite sure what the rules are anymore. So, you know, where it can be, being predictable um, is really um, important. So similar times every night, similar things is happening there. And that I've written down there some expectations and the transition time. So thinking as well, okay, so we want a routine, we want the same things to be happening every day where possible. Um, so what are my expectations around that? So thinking about when do you get home from work? 
what time do you get home? Are you picking a child up from childcare? And thinking as well, who else is coming home at that time? Do you get home, um, everyone in the house get home at the same time? Because if the routine you want to have to happen and quiet time starts happening when mum or dad walks in the door at 7, 7.30 at night, then that's not going to happen. And it's not reasonable to think that your toddler will go to sleep at that time. So what we might say is a good routine or a bedtime for what happens in the house next door will be different to your house. So you have to think about your own work schedule, who's getting home, because if you're getting home, then your toddler will want to spend time with you. And it's so it's really, you know, the expectations of them thinking they're going to bed, um, it's not going to happen. They want to see you. They want to chat to you about the day. So you need to think about that. You know, every family is completely different. So your routines will be different. Um, and every child is different. So you might have more than one child and what works for one child isn't going to work for the other. So, but I do encourage predictability is important, but shape your predictability around the activities in the house at that particular time. So, you know, I've got down there that transition time, so that's important all of the time. So when we're changing from activities and then also the transition time for sleeping. So the transition <clears throat> into quiet time. So we're going to, um, you know, let them know. It's almost bedtime, you know, we've had our dinner, we're going to go have our bath now, then we have, um, uh, we might sit down and do a book or whatever that might be. We might do some drawing, um, but quiet time is really that predictability, it is that um, transitioning into bed. Um, electronics, screens and that are not quiet time. They actually have the opposite effect. Um, so another, you know, it's, it's probably a different subject and something we may cover in our three-week um, modules that we have coming up in November, but the use of screen times is a real challenge for parents um, and one of those emerging things that we need to be mindful of and, may, um, and we'll need to discuss as well. But certainly I wouldn't encourage screen times for quiet time. Mm. Um, I've got down there once in bed, back to bed every time because <laughs> usually toddlers are moving into their own bed. Mm. Um, and so this is the one of the biggest challenge, challenges we have for parents is the getting out of bed. Mm. So I'm sure you've got lots of excuses that you've heard. <laughs> I need a drink. I need one more cuddle. I just need to see that. I just need to get this. There's something in my wardrobe. There's a monster under my bed. It could be anything. But once you've made the decision, if you have a child, a toddler that's in your bed, once you're in bed, it's back to bed every time. So that can be challenging. And so even if it's 2 a.m., it's back to bed every time. So once you make that decision, I often tell parents over a long weekend is a great time to do that or if you have an extra day off or trying to organise that because it's tiring but you really need to be... Um, you have yeah. to be committed to it um, and they, they will need your support, absolutely, um, but yeah, back to bed every time is really important um, and you may need to let everybody in the house um, uh, know what's happening for that um, and like Emma was talking about before, you know, um, you and your partner have those conversations once you, and you're, you're a, a united front when you do that. So, um, yeah, back to bed every time. What's also an um, important part around this development is toddlers often have nightmares. So they're very active dreamers. 
um, and I'm not sure if anybody has experienced this that's listening in today, is that they may be, um, uh, they can actually wake up at very similar times every night and have these night terrors. And they look like they're awake, but they're actually, their eyes are open, um, but they're actually still asleep. And this is, you know, a very common thing that's happening, that happens for toddlers at this particular time. So nightmares and dreaming are very normal. So we don't encourage you to really wake your child and rouse them, but just stay with them. They may take a few moments, um, you know, 10 minutes to settle back down into sleep, but very, um, very normal. So, yeah. Um, Shannon, we've had a couple of questions about people um, just asking around um, once you put them to bed, the, the parent has to lie there with them when mm. the child's asleep, otherwise a tantrum starts, or, mm -hmm. and, and perhaps some tips to calm down children as they go to sleep, particularly those. My, my daughter's like that too. Mm. She you know, really wants me to be with her mm. until she's just about off or off altogether. Yeah. Um, and you know, what sort of suggestions do you have? Yeah. So, look, this is, I guess, going back to every family's different. If you're happy to do that, that's absolutely fine. It's okay to do that. Um, but m many parents just want to be able to, you know, get their children into bed and get on with what they have to do. So they may need support. So um, what happens with children is that when they fall asleep and you're there, children have a very short sleep cycle. So many of them will wake up in an hour. Uh, mostly adults wake up every hour and a half, two hours, and if everything is the same, when you fell asleep, you go back to sleep and you didn't even know you wake up. So if you're putting your child to bed with you there, they're waking up and then you're not there. So things have changed, so that's when they wake up and it's all very distressing. So things like getting toddlers to sleep on their own can actually take some time. And so we call that parental presence. So you can let your child know um, and they make every child's different. Some children need extra support. So you can stay in there, in the room, um, but letting them know, mummy will be back in a minute or mummy's going to be back in five minutes. So you come in and out of the room letting you know. And you can actually stand outside the door. I'm still here. I'm still around. That's what they're seeking. They're seeking that reassurance. And some children need more than others, mm. and that's okay. Um, and so, you know, there are different strategies which we'll cover in our three-week um, course, but it's kind of almost like you're moving closer to the door. You're almost moving out of the room, and we call that, um, you know, like I said, parental presence. So you're there, you're supporting them, mummy's here, and you kind of need to move away from the bed a little bit. It's okay, I'm still here. So lots of reassurance, um, but certainly don't making promises like mummy will stay here the whole night, because that's sometimes what they want you to do, and you'll say anything to get them to sleep. Um, you know, and um, you know, and getting your partner to support you as well. So, you know, taking turns, it's not just the same person if that can be the case, um, you know, supporting each other through that. Um, so certainly just taking uh, your time then to transition out of that. Yeah, I think that's really important. It's a good, um, it's a good tip. I know that I got um, stuck early in the um, putting my daughter to bed routine. Mm. It was always, I did it, um, while my husband looked after the twins. Um, and we sort of created this sort of role for ourselves, but with a bit of a rod and mm. a lot of expectations so that when I then went out in the evening, it was really hard for my husband to get her down because she, the part of the routine was I was there. So I think this whole um, 
creating a number of routines that will work or either parent and it's it's worked better now. We, in fact, sometimes I even get one of the twins to put her to the restaurant. So, and I think that, you, you know, your toddlers are moving into a stage now where, um, you know, lots of conversation, lots of words, like you're getting so big and, you know, starting to think about, um, you know, rewards and stickers that they can do and, and things like that. I mean, <clears throat> in terms of using rewards and sticker charts, you know, don't use them for everything. Keep them for something really particular. So if it's sleep that you're really struggling with, um, then you look at that type of reward type of system. And even, you know, I've got down there praise, praise, praise. You can't praise enough. Um, and interestingly, I saw something on the TV this morning saying, are we praising our children too much? Um, at this stage with your toddlers, you need to ask for what you do want, not what you don't want. So you have to be praising because mm -hmm. all they want to do is please mum and dad. Um, and so any little progress is lots of praise. So um, it's interesting when you come to Karishani and you're around the toddler clinic, we have lots of, you hear lots of, thank you for holding daddy's hand. You're so good at holding my hand. And so we're, it's that thank you and you're so good at this. And that's what we call label praise. So very specific about what you do want. So, you know, um, Thank you for staying in your bed. You're lying in your bed like, like a big boy, those type of things. Well, that sounds silly. You know, when you say those type of things, your children kind of, they, they stand up taller, they walk higher, mm -hmm. um, and that's what they're looking for. So any little progress is what you give lots of praise to, um, and so that's really important. Mm. Okay. I know we've had a few more questions around sleep, but um, in the interest of time, we'll keep going as I'm sure we'll circle back to some of them as we create a link between the two <laughs> of them. Um, you were going to now have a chat about fussy eating, and I know <laughs> 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 a lot of problems with this in the past. Yeah. So toddlers are known to be fussy, fussy eating. Well, um, it is very interesting about um, feeding and eating. So. I love bringing out research. I read a lot of articles, but yeah, they say with new foods, children need to eat. Um, they might try something 12 to 15 times before they actually accept that food. Wow. So that is really normal. <laughs> um, and we kind of give up, you know, after three or four attempts of cooking something, you know, when you prepare and you take all that time, you go, that's it. They don't like lasagna, I'm not making it ever again. It's a time waste of time. Um, so, but children just need to be offered all of the time. So I will let you, you know, toddlers are known to be fussy. Once again, very busy, very busy time. They're very mobile. Um, so we do get a lot of children who don't then don't like to sit in high chairs. And that's quite normal at this age. So it's almost like going from a cot to a bed. Um, that you know, toddlers are getting bigger and they actually respond better when they're less restrained. So finding out about the world, exerting their independence, all those things we discussed. So um, it's a normal part of development, okay? So expect that your child will be fussy. So they might sit down and you had so much control when they're little, you strap them in the high chair and you feed them at particular <laughs> times, you might breastfeed or bottle feed at particular times. Um, and they start to refuse more, it's like getting in the car seat, all of those things, they're bigger and um, so we have to work with our toddlers rather than trying to control them. Um, but I think what's reassuring is that really if, if, to if toddlers have access to healthy foods, 
they're not going to starve themselves. But as parents, that's really difficult when you sit there at night time and you go, you're not eating anything. Um, you're going to be hungry. Um, but really, what toddlers do, they might have a little bit often. And so they, while we don't love grazing, developmentally, it really sits at this age. So, and we need to look at what they eat over a couple of days. So there'll be days, and you probably have even seen this um, with your toddler, there are days where they'll eat lots, and then there are days where you think, oh my God, they've eaten like a piece of toast, that's mm. it. Um, but that's very normal. So look at what they eat over a couple of days. Um, and even if we have a look at children's physical growth around toddlers, is actually they don't gain very much weight. So in the, you know, in the first 12 months, they tripled their birth weight. They got very chubby, and um, we love to go to the clinics and weigh them and see how much weight they put on. Where when they get to toddlers, they lose that, and that's what they should be doing. So even if we have a look at a toddler's growth chart, there is they're lucky to gain two kilos a year, and that's very normal. So mm -hmm. don't expect that that type of growth. They actually get taller. Okay, so that's what we start to see. Um, and in terms of being fussy, and we often will say, oh well, I'll just give them this. You know, they didn't eat their lasagna, so I'll give them, you know a peanut butter sandwich or something. Really, as parents, you choose what they um, what they have to eat. They choose how much. Okay, so you put it down there and um, and that's for them to, to go with. Um, so when it comes, try not to get into, okay, well, then I'll make you this. Or, okay, then when I'll make you that. And when you start to have more than one child, it's almost like you're running a restaurant because everyone has their own little, that's what I like. Mm. Um, so encouraging them just to eat um, and in terms of meal times, so I'm talking probably more about dinner time I guess, is that um, keep meal times limited, don't sit there go, you're not getting up till you finish that because really we don't want the table to become a battleground, it needs to be really a pleasurable time, you know, eating together is about celebration, it's about coming together at the end of the day, and it really shouldn't be a battle. So putting their, their food down, this is what we're all eating, um, and if, you know, they haven't had much after 30 minutes, go, oh, that's okay, you're finished now, they're like, yeah, I'm finished. Okay, you cover that and you put it um, to the side, because I will tell you, and you probably will tell me, in 30 <laughs> minutes time, they'll be back going, I'm hungry. You go, great, then I kept the rest of your dinner. Okay, so, you know, that, that's the expectation. This is what we're having for dinner tonight. Um, and so that can, like, trying to avoid that battle is, is really important. And I've also written down there to sit together as often as possible. And I know that's not possible every night. We all have things on and meetings and activities. But if you can encourage that sitting together, that is around that modelling. So all those things we talked about before, about this is what we do together as a family, that sits with a child. Mm -hmm. And lots of, I've written down there, the praise, praise, praise. So even if they pick up a piece of broccoli and smell it or squish <laughs> it, they go, wow, what does it feel like? You know, that engagement in food is actually what they should be doing. They're exploring, they're smelling, they're learning. And so um, certainly never force feed your children. Um, that just has a whole other you know, negative connotation to it. So food should be celebrated and certainly encouraging them to feed themselves um, and encouraging what you eat. 
So, you know, we certainly the guidelines of change we encourage even from six months, you know, what families are eating, the whole family, even babies should be eating. So really don't be restrictive about that. Encourage what, whatever you have to have um, for them to have as well. I've just got up there around some toddler milks that, um, that are not necessary. So I think being mindful, if you're worried about what your child is eating or the quantity of what they're eating, um, look at how much your child is drinking. Because often we sit and we see things and we hear things about, oh, is your child a fussy eater, your toddler? Then you can give them some, some milk. Um, and it's like, well, all toddlers are fussy. But if your child is like ourselves, if we have a smoothie or a milkshake, we feel really full afterwards. Mm. So your child will feel exactly the same. So as parents, we kind of, you know, we feel really... We don't want our child to feel hungry and we think, okay, at least they've got some milk in their belly. Same thing with juice, you know, when they've got juice in their belly or something like that. But that actually suppresses their appetite. So really, um, really by the time your child's 12 months, they should, uh, you know, be having tap water in a cup um, and certainly off bottles. So that's probably a big thing for, for, for some parents is to get their children off bottles as soon as possible, yeah, from 12 months. Okay. So we'll move on to the next part. Um, I know we've got a few more questions coming in through. We'll, we've got them um, covered, everyone, and we'll, we'll do our best to come back to you as we circle up back towards some of these topics. There was a couple of people that mentioned they were interested in toilet training. Mm. Can we just quickly go through some of the key things to think about here? Yeah, big key thing, relax. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> um, toilet training is often dictated by what childcare might need or preschools. That's a lot of pressure. But my biggest advice around toilet training is really to let your child lead the way. So once your child starts to show you signs that they're ready to be toilet trained, then once you go with that, so some of those signs will be pulling out their nappy um, and also that they've got the words and the language to tell you if there's a wee or a poo, um, it's really important. So once you start to see signs of that, um, even the nappy can be a bit dry for longer, those type of things, um, they're the signs. Uh, it's difficult to put an age on toilet training. Some children will be ready at, you know, just before they're two. Some will be closer to three, three and a half, and that's fine. But really, if you, like I said, if you let your child lead the way, look at those signals, then you start going um, with toilet training, then that's the best time to do that. And it really shouldn't be a big event. Um, if you've been trying to toilet train your child for six months, I would say stop, it's not working, mm. um, and it's not mm. the time. Um, I've got written down there better and warmer months, and that's just that's just logistics, less clothing to deal with. Because then when you start to toilet train, they've got the words, they have the feeling, then really they go, oh, Mummy I'm, or Daddy, I'm going to do a wee. You've got literally five seconds, um, and then it will happen. Um, and then they just start to learn to hold that. So, um, so like, like I said, it's better in the warmer months when there's less clothes around. And really, when you're at home, if they can just run around in underwear, then that's really, um, although it might be a little bit messy in the beginning, it actually facilitates the process much quicker. They actually go, oh my goodness, when I get that feeling, I'm wet. Um, and they let you know. So that's, you know, really the big points with toilet training. Don't worry so much about the night. The night is very normal for them to be wearing nappies. Some children, even at the age of five, um, 
could still have accidents at night, and that's very normal. Um, and if there's a history in your family of night wishing, so some children are 10, 11, 12, um, that can be alarming, more so for the child at that age, but certainly it's, it's if it's often a family thing, and so that can be dealt with very easily and not uncommon. Once again, I've got those words up there, praise, praise, praise. Even if they sit on the toilet or look, if they're looking at the toilet, <laughs> then um, you're praising. But certainly, um, doors open and lots of modelling behaviour is really important. Yeah. Um, we've just got oh, one question coming through, which mm. I think is really common. Yeah. I'm happy to go for a little wee on the, on the potty, but I am not doing my poo there. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, what would you suggest? Um, in yeah. instances where they're sort of half committed to the toilet, half not. Yeah, so this is probably the most common thing in, in when we're looking at toilet training. So, well, like like you're saying, you know, put it, um, we'll have lead or wee, um, but we'll wait until a nappy goes on at night often, and they often will go somewhere and hide. And that really is about feeling safe on the toilet or the potty. So it's an unusual feeling. You know, it was a really subconscious feeling when they're babies, but becoming very conscious of it is actually quite uncomfortable for them. So no pressure around this. If they feel more comfortable with the um, nappy on to do, the, to do their poos, that's fine. Some children will actually hold it, and that's more damaging. So just put the, let them have it. Um, if they attempt it, lots of reward, praise, praise, praise for that. Um, but they usually get over it, and usually they'll, you know, you can sit there with them and lots of um, uh, support. But actually make sure that if they're on the toilet, their feet are supported. So when they have their feet dangling, um, and it's a hard visual, but you need to brace yourself, and they need to feel supported that they're not going to fall down the toilet. So just lots of support around that. Okay. And, and a final question on this one around um, night wedding. You, you mentioned that mm -hmm. um, being quite normal and dealing with it as you get older. Is, is there a couple of strategies if parents have sort of weaned their children off the nappies and they are getting a bit older but night wedding still yeah. seems to be a problem when they're, they're four or six, you know, what, what, yeah. what do you suggest? I, look, I think it's really normal. Some children are really heavy sleepers and yes. they get to sleep and they just, um, you know, and for them it's quite horrifying. They're probably quite embarrassed by it. So that's why they still make pull-ups for that age because it's very normal at that age. Mm. Really, we wouldn't think about, I mean, there are things that other strategies like night bells and alarms um, that you can, you know, you can source them through your GP and local community health centre for their extra support. But they wouldn't really be looking at that till they were, um, you know, 10 or 11. The only other thing would be to make sure that there's no nothing else going on. So you might go to your um, GP and you might get a, um, like a urinalysis just to make sure there's nothing there. But really, we would really expect this as normal behaviour. Okay, great. Some good tips there. So as we start to um, draw to a close in the, the last sort of five minutes of this call, you've got certainly some suggestions on where to get some extra help and mm -hmm. um, I'll let you run through that, Charlene, whilst I'll look at a couple of the other oh, questions sure. that have come yeah. through and see if we can answer a couple more. Yeah, so just looking at the, uh, I've just put a couple of supports there. So Caritani Careline and also our website. Um, so karatani.com.au and there's some videos on there as well but if you wanted to talk to um, a child and family health nurse then you could do that via um, a care line. Um, the other great resource is your child and family health nurses, so just your local clinic, so lots of advice particularly around the 0-5 mm. years. 
Um, and there's look, there are so many websites out there. Um, you've got you know Raising Children Network as well, which is a great source of information. Mm, it is. Um, but also being mindful, of, you know, I'm very mindful that parenting is really um, challenging. Um, and when you're a working parent, it's even more challenging. And so really um, supporting, if you have a partner, then supporting each other, but also being mindful of your own feelings and um, how you might be feeling at that particular time. Because you may need to really, you know, if you're feeling down a lot, then you need to be really seeking extra help. Um, and really that, you know, the stats are about, it's it's one and four really, aren't they? Yeah. So, just acknowledging that. So there's great websites like Beyond Blue um, or once again your GP for extra support with that. And also for dads too because mm. it's not just about the mums um, who get perinatal anxiety and depression, it also does impact on the dads too. Mm. So be mindful that it's either parent um, that, that may, may be needing some support and assistance. Yes, and of course mm. um, certainly for the listeners today we'll be sending out um, a Charlene and Gronya through Karatani have made available a three-week course. So if you've really enjoyed today's topic but feel like it's just touched the surface for you and you want more help with your toddler but struggle to um, get to a clinic to help, um, they're going to do an online course. It'll go for one hour over three weeks um, and that will be an opportunity for you to ask more questions. Um, and so we'll be sending that out to you on how to enrol. The, the class is only uh, limited to 20, so make sure that's something you're interested in to get in early. Um, a couple of last questions, um, Charlene, for you. Great question around back to that eating um, piece around my child eats really well at daycare and seems to not be fussy there, mm. but comes home and won't eat. What's in front of him here? Yeah. How common is that? And yeah. How do you do about that? <laughs> yeah, probably 95% of parents would experience that. I think that just comes around with the expectations. A lot of childcare that it's a lot of modelling, everybody's doing it and we're doing it here. Um, and I think that that's fine. If they, I think that keeping in perspective around fussy feeding, if your toddler is active and engaging and they're really healthy, then try not to stress too much about that. So um, that is a very common thing and that would just be around behaviour and doing what everybody else is doing. And so, you know, when we talked about sitting at the table at home where you can, um, you know, if you have a picnic one night for dinner, fantastic. You know, this just be a little bit creative, but I wouldn't be concerned about that, and that's a very normal thing. Sometimes they eat so well, I'm home, I'm busy, it's exciting, I get to play with all my toys, and I do not have time to eat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and a lovely question, I think, to end on, which is around really helping children calm down, whether it's calming down ahead of sleep time or calming down um, in the moment of a tantrum. What lovely tips, I guess, do you have to help parents calm their toddlers down um, generally? Yeah. So I think that, first of all, parents have to be calm. Yes. So if you're feeling like I can't go in there right now because I feel so worked up, then that's not a great time because it just... It, they yes. pick up on that. So deep breaths for yourself and just the what we call more time in, not time out. So actually mm -hmm. coming in, I'm here, how about we come in for a cuddle or just put your hand up because sometimes they don't want you there. They don't want to be touched or cuddled or so just having that presence and just lots of um, quiet words and it's amazing how your tone and just deep breathing 
you know, Daddy's going to take a deep breath now. I'm just going to sit here next to you if you need me. Because when we escalate our voice and our tone, they mirror that. And so mm. we can't mirror that image. We have to diffuse it, and that's the best way to do that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And certainly, as you said, easier said than done. 30% <laughs> <laughs> of the time, if I get it right, that's good. And sometimes it's hard to be yeah. calm and then to hear me over the yelling. Yeah. Um, but certainly, that's um, a really good question, I think, and a nice point to end it on. Mm. So thank you very much for both being here today. As I said, um, I'm sure we didn't get to absolutely everyone's question. Thank you for them. Um, being so um, generous with your questions, um, there's so many. Um, we really encourage you to get back in touch with us with the course if you'd like to know more or to call the Karatani care line that's on your mm -hmm. um, screen now. So thanks very much for attending and we look forward to seeing you at the next special event. Thank you very much, Gloria. Thanks very much. Thanks, thanks, thanks everyone. everyone.